too many Tic Tacs in the town. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 3.38 starting time. Please welcome from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Matthew Wiley. Play away, please. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we. That wasn't a great pod, was it? You want to run it back? Golf Landia 228, 228 on the Wiley 77 podcast network. Host Wiley 77, guest today, Wiley 77. That was Cracker and that was Low from the album, I think, Kerosene something. Absolutely dominated that song mid to early 90s. I don't think I played a song more often on repeat. And back then, you had to rewind the tape (laughs) and make sure that uh, it was just at the right part when you rolled down your windows, banging it. Out of your old 88. But this is Golf Landia 228. Ryan Barriff said, I speak slowly. No. I speak clearly. That's the difference. Fast talkers, I just don't get. So you can you can speed this up to 2x. That's fine. But I'm going to speak clearly. And with hidden messaging that brainwashes all of you. I should just bury a secret word to see if people get it. I think I did that in an earlier content. Maybe I'll do that today. See if people get the word. See if people listen enough to get the word. I've got it. I've already wrote, written it down. So, find the secret word. Crack the code. Uh, two of four now. Two of four in the segment you heard it here first. Which, you know, mostly all good fortune. I don't have any... Uh, prognosticating skills about who is going to win a golf tournament other than just allowing the library of knowledge in my head to just speak to me and say, this guy could probably win. And I've got a real, real good one for this segment today. So that's you heard it here first. Again, don't take my advice. This is all just fun content. Do your own thing. Always. But you heard it here first, brought to you by Papa Murphy's Pizza. Grab yourself a pie today, Papa Murphy's. Grab yourself a pie today. Then fight traffic for two hours, then cook it at home, and then throw it in the trash because it's terrible. Papa Murphy's, the strangest business idea in history. 
<clears throat> cook your own pizza. Okay. Four toppings for forty nine ninety nine. Is that what they're doing now? Forty nine ninety nine a topping. Sure. Uh, PGA Rainmakers is out. Rainmakers. Um, so what is Rainmakers? Did it for NFL. Uh, I am likely going to do it for PGA, but essentially it's just you're buying packs of cards and playing those cards in contests each week. And you can buy, sell, trade, not trade, but buy or sell in a marketplace and just, you know, different, different stratas of, of, of contest entering. No, no cost into the, into the contest, except you've got to have the cards, which cost money. Um, higher end contests likely will have bigger prizes. Not sure what those prizes are as of yet. Not sure what pack prices are as of yet. But the difference between NFL is that this probably won't take years off my life, which NFL does because you have to invest a tremendous amount of money. You've got to correlate. You need the best players. You can't have a fifth string wide receiver and succeed at PG at NFL Rainmakers. You've got to have the top talent most every week. And it's expensive. You've got to have a tremendous portfolio of cards. And it takes a ton of time. I'm not saying nothing against the game. It's brilliantly designed. But for me, it just took a lot of time. And stress and years off my life. PGA, I mean, since golf's so random week to week, you can buy a couple of packs, feel the lineup every week. I mean, they all play pretty much every week, these players. Not like MMA. Um where you don't know when these fighters are going to fight, but PGA players play every, every week. Most of them have just as good a shot as anyone in most tournaments to win, like this week. And, you know, there's four days. They might do showdown contests. So you, you don't need to invest as much. You don't necessarily need a ROM, although it would be nice. Um, so, yeah, I think I'll take a shot at it, just depending on the contests. But, you know, like I said in the Rainmaker survey, that they gave me, would you recommend Rainmakers to anyone? No. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not. I don't need anyone else to play for me to play. And people manage their own risk. You manage your own plays. You know, I had a forceful tweet last night, which I, you know, I deleted. I got my point across. But it's frustrating. These, some of these NFT guys just, just, you know, brazenly, pumped these NFTs for two years shamelessly and a lot of people got killed by it and now they're shaming people for selling I won't do it I will will not pump rainmakers I'll talk about it because it's interesting to me maybe but I'm not going to tell you to do it or not do it it's it's plus EV the less people that get involved because it's guaranteed money so Jason Rasslin's excited about it. I know that. Um, full swing. The NF, NFL, the Netflix series was meh, meh. I mean, it's subjective. You like it or you don't. I mean, you know, like I said early on, the the, the trailers are going to speak to exactly what kind of content you're going to get. And if there was something, if there was, you know. Brooks Kepka choking out Honorbon Lahiri, that would be in the trailers. And you would wait until episode seven to see that bit. And so, you know, the trailers didn't really 
do that much except for, you know, Ian Poulter throwing clubs, which was the most probably dramatic moment. I mean, it's well-produced subject matter. Just, you know, it's wealthy golfers. There's not a lot of elements necessarily to make the storyline entertaining. And I would imagine that the PGA had some editorial uh, decision-making over top of it, considering they're in a legal battle with Liv. So, but, you know, they're wealthy golfers. There's a cap on how interesting that could be. This isn't, you know, like the hard knocks where you've got dramatic storylines of people fighting to, you know, make it on the NFL team. So, you know, things need action, drama, humor, betrayal, tension, pain. Um, surprisingly, the most compelling story was probably Brooks. You know, you get a better sense of why he left. I think he probably... I think he probably certainly had some people in his ear telling him that it's the better idea to go. But, you know, I think he could still be competitive and, and in my opinion, wants to be, especially with this team stuff that they're doing. And he probably doesn't want to do. But a compelling story for Netflix would have been, you know, tailing his life through the challenge tour up to winning a major and, you know, he looks to be a person with some, you know, there's some interesting edges to him. But more of a story start to finish and the stuff in the in between. But, you know, the Poulter guys to me were a little delusional that he deserved more. I mean, that was very revealing that he deserved more for, you know, missing cuts that people were there in his opinion to see him that ultimately live made sense, which is fine for money. But the idea that his 2 million followers would follow him that, you know, they didn't, you know, sometimes you're 47 and you have to hang it up. That's why Emmett Smith doesn't play running back anymore. You know, it's if you can get the money, get the money, but don't blame the tour or the fans for not caring. You know, golf is not a job. It's theater. It is a show. And it's only relevant and it only pays anything unless eyeballs, our eyeballs, want to watch you on the stage that was built by your peers, the stage that soaked in history and real competition. So it's only relevant or pays anything if that or if you have a backer with endless amounts of money. That's it. But, you know, these guys, have, the stage is the most important part right now. That's the PGA Tour. That's, you know, Riviera. That's the Genesis. That's Tiger Woods. And these live guys have burned out instantly because they don't have that stage anymore. And it would take a generation to build it again on the live tour, whether or not you have these teams. So, you know, unless Ian Poulter is competitive on the PGA tour, his 2 million fans and followers for the most part don't have a, I mean, look at their interactions on Twitter. They don't have a lot of equity. It's like watching a fourth line forward practice skating. Who cares? 
you know. And I think a lot of these players have learned that, and they've they've gotten what was lost in that whole thing last year with Liv in and the tour was okay. What's the anyone thinking about the fans at this point? I think a lot of players though have realized that you know they don't do the I don't care about your fantasy team stuff like Kisner did a few years back. That's an that's a very very narrow minded perspective of your fan base. You should care. That is the audience. Sports is for betting. Yes, there's yes there's jersey wearers who root for a team, but you know, I'd punt a Leafs Stanley Cup if I was going to win a thousand dollars bet, thousand dollar bet on the opposite team. <laughs> you know, you got an edge. I mean, the only person that moves the meter is Tiger. That's it. That's the only one person on earth. People, for the most part. I know some people are, are are legitimate fans of watching golfers play the sport of golf. But I'm just talking from a macro level. There's only one person on earth that people stop everything to watch golf. And that was evident last week. It's Tiger. It's insane. He built that. But again, it's also his, what he built in terms of the history and the moments and the memories. I mean, look how many times they played his swing from Riviera in 1992. That's the stuff people watch. That's the memories you got. It's tough to compete with that. And no, I didn't like the the thing that he did with the tampon with JT. I didn't. And sorry, that's sorry if you believe that's a woke beta take. You know, have a wife, have two daughters. Have two daughters that you're trying to push into sports and be competitive and take on boys and be tough and do all the things that we were taught when we were growing up in sports to do. And then, you know, your hero on TV is essentially using females or being female as a derogatory term, which is something they've got to deal with even at this young age all the time. And it makes no sense to them. And so when your hero is doing that on TV, they're going to ask why. Why is that funny? Why is being me lesser than and funny? Explain it. Explain that lonely single Twitter guy with no avatar and likely afraid of the light, but has this issue figured out. Listen, you do dumb shit all the time. Him and him and JT on the course together, fine. Who cares? But you know, Tiger knows better. He's got a global audience. Everyone looks up to him. Every young athlete does. So it was just dumb. I didn't find it funny. Because I'm trying to I'm trying to make my girls as tough as possible. And when when some boy says being quote girly is some sort of form of weakness, smash them. Smash them. Absolutely smash them. So this didn't reconcile with what I'm trying to teach them. <laughs> That's the point. So, yes. So you can call me whatever, Matthew Woke Beta. It's more alpha, guys, to spend your alleged alpha surplus on people who may need a lift, not diminish them. 
So the 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 guy's afraid of women or thinking that this was funny. That's weak shit to me. So to each their own. Maybe we'll debate it one day with a guest I won't have. I mean, what if the LPGA, what if the LPGA players handed out prostates when someone, one other player hit a shorter drive than them? Men would lose their mind. (laughs) Do women have prostates? That's a great question. That analogy won't work if women have prostates. Men would lose it. Lose it. Just relax, guys. Just relax. It doesn't make you less manly. <laughs> Mango. So, but Tiger, I mean, look at, look, at, look at him now coming back and competing and almost, you know, being competitive enough to possibly win last week at, at a course he hasn't won on with, with no prep. And he's hitting it further. He's got a 180 ball speed. And, you know, his iron game is always going to be tight. Best wedge player on earth. And putter will heat up even more. What, what, is, what is saying he can't now compete even more at Augusta? He hits it further. He hits it straight. And the knee doesn't bother him as much. He doesn't talk about it as much. That was incredible. I mean, how could he not be competitive at Augusta? He should be in the talk of the favorites again. So, yeah, put him on Mount Rushmore. I saw that Golf Digest tweet about the who is on your Mount Rushmore of golf. And without even looking at the replies, you knew that someone would say Tiger doesn't belong. Sure enough. Not only did someone say he doesn't belong, that he wasn't even close to belonging. <laughs> there are two types of people in this world. This is, def- this is literally, you can split it in two. The people that believe, rightfully so, Tiger belongs on Mount Rushmore, and those who argue he does not. That's it. And you know the second guy. All right, you heard it here first. Now we're into the golf segment. We are at minute 19. That's not bad. That's not bad. You made it through it. You made it through my woke takes. Matt Wokely. Matt Wokely. Um, you're so beta. Um, yeah. You heard it here first, brought to you by Papa Murphy's Pizza. Five toppings for fifty nine ninety nine. A topping. You come on to you. You fight traffic at five o'clock. You come here, make your pizza. You drive home, fight traffic, throw it in the oven, throw it in the trash. This is a winner of an idea. Or you could just get Donatos and crush it. Um. So two for four recently in in. Really, two and a half in naming one player I believe is going to win. 
So let's go back. Tory Pines, Max Homa. That was the call. Wins. Next week, I said Rose at Pebble Beach. Wins. Waste management. I said Tom Kim with an outside to Ricky. Eh, Tom Kim didn't perform well. That's a loss. Last week was Max Homa. I thought I had it. I thought it was three for four. I said Homa and Jason Day. I, half point, I'll have to wait for the, the audience to judge and allow me the half point. But right now, I'm taking it like a man. Yeah. You know what? Yes. Betas would say two and a half out of four. Alphas say two out of four. There you go. But this week, I've got a call. I have just, it is popping out. My library, I'm not questioning what my brain is screaming when I look at the the field. I'm just going with it, which is what I've done every week now. I'm not looking at the data. I'm just looking at what happened, what transpired over the last few weeks, and what I know about this course. And what do we know about this course, PGA National? I said this on Twitter, but it's a brute, man. This is a brute of a course. Number three, I think in 21 of 41 courses, most difficult stops on tour. And if it's windy, which it doesn't present, doesn't at least right now look to be windy. Thursday may be a little, but it looks to be immaculate weather, Florida weather. But wind makes it, and unseasonal temperatures have made it even more difficult. But it looks, it looks to be great. Um, it's not a long course, but you need the old ball striking in a bad way this week. When you get a plus three, plus four cut, it's tough. Low double-digit winning score, maybe even single-digit. Uh, water hazards on 15 holes, heavily bunkered. You will eject by 8 a.m. Thursday mountain time. That is a lock. And your chalk, this is, the, this is a chalk-killing course. I don't have historical examples except for it's in my notes, and that's all I need to know. But this Sunjay M stuff and 44% owned, likely maybe 50. I was thinking 50. Watch out. He missed the cut last year. Watch out. Just to let you know, this course will kill you. On three holes, 15 through 17, what some deemed the bear trap. I don't. Um, speedy Bermuda Greens, not overly difficult, just blazing fast. Not many spots to bail out. He could just blow up, complete eject in that last stretch. Tricky pins. You know, you'll never get it right. Fans, when the fields are big, they can be pretty ruthless down there at PGA National. So there you go. And, you know, I'm looking at, at the names that popped out to me initially were Lowry, Denny McCarthy, because he's playing well. He putts really well. Um, Vegas is playing well, albeit he was very fresh. A lot of golfers were frustrating last week. He couldn't putt at all. Um, the value plays, you know, the Will Gordons. He's a good player. Davis Riley, he had a stretch last year that was, you know, he was ball striking the hell out of it. Uh, he's mid sevens, which is where you're going to make your money. Sub 10%. That's a, that's a nice play, Davis Riley. 
in this field, mid sevens, that's I think he deserves a bigger price. Will Gordon, you know, people got me on him. He's pretty good. Aaron Wise missed the. I think he missed the cut last year. He's a great player. Um, but here are the two that I really like. Here are the two that I really like. I, you know, and it, honestly, it, when it comes down to M, I don't know what I'm going to do by Wednesday. <laughs> Today's Wednesday. <laughs> Thursday. M, you know, if you want to just gamble at 10-7, Say he finishes 20th or misses the cut. 50% of the field owns him? Huh. That's pretty attractive. But to me, I think two people really stand out. Number one is Lee Hodges. Only because, and I don't know a lot about him, but I know he's got to be a decent ball striker because he's been in tournaments recently with tough fields and tough courses. And he's, what, he top 10 last week? Yeah. If you top 10 at Riviera, that's, I mean, look at the leaderboard for Riviera. That's the, That speaks to the strength of that course. Morikawa up there, Rom up there, Homa up there, Rory at one point up there. But best players, best players rise to tougher courses. They don't change their game necessarily, you know. They just their game rises to tougher challenges, like the U.S. Open, for instance. Well, player told me that a couple of years ago, and it stuck with me. It's like, why do they play better at majors? They don't. Their game rises to the occasion, and Riviera is, is fantastic. So, I'll probably be in on Lee Hodges, maybe a one-week wonder, but I wouldn't pick him to win. Here's who's going to win. And I'm going to throw this out there, and I can pull it right back. Because historically, I have in my notes, and this may still be true, albeit the, quote, Austrian, unquote, which I believe is in Europe. Step Straka won last year. I think Lowry should have. Was last year that huge rainstorm at the end? Yes. <clears throat> But I said, don't pick any non-winning Europeans to come out with their first win and and succeed at PGA National. Now, that was for more difficult fields. And I think in that may not have been Sepp Straka's first win, but that may have killed that narrative. But a guy who has won before in big moments and showed a little something last week and is a good iron player, good around the greens, and just a gamer. A gamer. That was the Ontario in me. It's a gamer. It's Danny Willett. You heard it here first. Danny Willett wins the Honda Classic. You heard it here first. There it is. Now, I have I have about five minutes to pull that back. But I'm not going to. That's the beta play. Have a good week, guys. Sometimes I want to take you down Sometimes I want to get you low I brush your hair back from your eyes I take you down, let the river flow
Nothing's gonna make me sleep 